This is Loudspeaker. Welcome to Connecting a Better World, where we spend time meeting some of the most incredible human beings who make this world a better place. We will learn how each individual took their ideas, mission, and purpose to create and serve others in business and organizations that surround social good, social entrepreneurship, and social impact, and find out how we, together, can further connect others to help. I am your host, Dr. Natalie Phillips. Today, I spend time with Rocky Garza, truth teller, change maker, and belief creator, challenging the stories we tell ourselves so that we can experience the freedom to live. He is author of a new book, Kill Doubt, Build Conviction, and host of the Be Known podcast. All right, guys, we are in for a treat. I have my dear friend, Rocky Garza, who we have met on Clubhouse. He has been in our rooms in the morning. Absolutely love him. Uh, And you're going to know why, okay, just from this show. And so I am so excited to introduce Rocky to my listeners. Rocky, thank you so much for joining me. And let's get to know who Rocky Garza is. So tell me a little bit more about your story. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you. First of all, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Uh, Clubhouse has been really, really fun. And I, I always come back to if it's a place where a connection was made to say like, uh, it is it is the most incredible space to meet people that you potentially would never come across in regular daily life or even at an event. Or, I mean, what, what is the chances? How many conferences would you have to go to to have the kind of ability to meet people? So uh, yeah, it has been it has been incredible. So uh, well, my name is Rocky Garza. Uh, I I am married. I've been married for, um, it'll be 12 years in July, uh, to my wife, Sarah, and we have two, uh, children. I have a, uh, five and a half year old boy and a almost three year old little girl. I tell you that first, cause that's probably, uh, outside of me, the person, me, the human, those are probably the next three most important things to me, uh, in my life. And so before uh, a business or this or a career or life, I mean, I think those things are, are what is immensely valuable to me. Um, you know, I would say to, to give you, uh, the, the medium version, I won't give you the long version, but we won't give the super short version either of, uh, kind of how we landed here. Um, you know, growing up, my parents got divorced when I was young. Um, I uh, moved a bunch prior to like seventh grade. Uh, moved in with my grandparents at that point. Uh, lived with my grandparents kind of for the rest of junior high and high school. Um, went to college. Uh, went to junior college first. Then went to. I graduated from Texas A and M. I'm I'm in Dallas, Texas uh, now is where we live. Um, uh, after college, I went to work at a summer camp um, for junior high and senior high age kids. So I did that for about four years full time, uh, working as a director at the summer camp. Uh, I left there, came back to Dallas. I was out in East Texas, uh, came back to Dallas in 2008 and joined the staff at a church. So I was actually on pastoral staff at a church for uh, about three and a half or four years. Um, got offered uh, what I thought was going to be my uh, dream job at the time, uh, which was going to be to be a teaching pastor at a church and preach every weekend. Um, but I wasn't super self-aware, but I was self-aware enough to know that I was way more interested in you liking me than I was teaching you about God. Uh, and that's a pretty crappy reason to be a pastor. So um, I didn't know what that meant. I just knew saying yes to that job was going to be a really bad idea. And so I said no. And they said, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to be a wedding photographer. 
because that makes perfect sense. Uh, and that was more like as a hu- side hustle my wife and I had kind of been doing. She had recently quit her job to pursue photography. Uh, and it was more like, we don't really know what we want to do, but we think we can make enough money shooting, f- photographing weddings um, to just see what happens. And so I think looking back for us, that five and a half, six years of shooting weddings, uh, as fun and creative as it was, it was really about us like putting down roots, buying our first house, finding community, both going to therapy. Uh, like I think understanding who we were as individuals so we could build a marriage that we actually liked and believed in. Found out we were pregnant with our son early 2015. Um, and my wife was like, do we really want to shoot 40 weddings a year for the rest of our life? And we were like, no. So uh, I was like, okay, what do we, what do we want to do then? And, um, I didn't have a very eloquent answer. So what I'm about to say is definitely not what I said in that moment, but I said something like if I could take my life experience. So the things I've seen and known growing up, if I could, if I could marry that with eight years of ministry, which I just define as deeply caring for people. And and at that point in our life and career, five or six years of entrepreneurship, if I could put all those things together and spend my life attempting to become an expert in something, I'd love to become a people expert. If I could find a way to help people see, know, and understand who they are and using their journey, their story, their life, and to provide clarity and confidence and courage for them to be able to say, how do I walk freely into that? And so I think uh, I've been doing this now, if you would say, as a career or vocation for the last six years. Um, and now I think if I could really just hone in outside of my profession, but it's like, why do I wake up every day, uh, to challenge the stories that we tell ourselves so that we can experience the freedom to live vulnerably. Like, I think I've spent, I've spent my whole life trying to figure out how, what is the narrative in the story that is consistently running through my mind that either provides the freedom and opportunity for me to engage deeply, or that is inhibiting me from seeing the truth and the reality about who I am, uh, and now as a, as a 37 year old semi adult, uh, how do I take that and, and utilize that? And, and can I find a way to engage with others? Can I find a way to engage with the public, whether that's individuals or teams or businesses or speaking or coaching or whatever it is to go, Hey, if we would all just slow down just for a second, I'm not telling you not to be, have goals. I'm not telling you not to be ambitious or not to be driven. Like I'm ambitious and driven, have goals. I'm with you. But if we don't, if we don't have a map to know where we're going and we don't have a guide to walk with us, uh, most of us do a lot of time walking, but we're never quite sure where we land. And I think that's because we don't have a clear story or narrative about what that is. And so, um, now that's, that's how I spend my time. I, at least I do my best to spend my time that way as a, as a human with my friends, with my wife, with my kids and my business on a stage or one-on-one or go, Hey, like, let's just get into the root of what are you thinking? My favorite phrase in the world, we'll probably say it three or four times a day is tell me about that. Uh, I think it's, I think it's one of the most, uh, non-assertive, non-aggressive, deep dive questions we can ask someone to say, hey, tell me, tell me about that. And they tell you, oh, that's awesome. Tell me about that. Oh, okay. Okay. Tell me about that. And typically two or three, tell me about that. So you get to the root of really what it is you're going after. And typically it's a story that we've told ourselves that, um, either is or is not true. And based on that, typically the majority of the decisions we make are going to be based off that story. Okay. So much to unpack. First of all, wow. Okay. So hmm, I'm going to start with the simplest. Uh, you have no Texan accent, by the way, <laughs> uh, just because, and I was, and I was just in Dallas, darn it. I was like, I was just there, you know? So I can't believe that you were, that you are in Dallas. And so I absolutely love Texas, you know? So that's the first silly, um, observation yeah, yeah. that I, uh, I, I hear that. that I, I hear that. I hear that, that often. People, people often say like, you don't have an accent. Like you don't, where are you from? Cause I don't, I can't, you know, and I think, well, I don't know. I, 
you're right. I don't, I don't have a big, my, my wife has a very, but your background is communications. So I'm wondering if you kind of drop that. Right. And even me growing up in Hawaii, I have a little bit of pigeon, but when I get back there and I'm around people, I'll, I'll slip into Mm -hmm. it. So I'm wondering if you'll ever get slip into a y'all, you know, anything like that. And I did even back in Texas. Yeah. I'll throw a y'all, I'll throw a y'all out there every once in a while. You know, I, I, to be totally honest with you, I think that, uh, it, when it's just me being me and, and I'm, and there's not uh, an outside influence. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I just mean like, there's, there's not the, right. You you Mm -hmm. go back to Hawaii and the influence is like, you're, you're in a space where something, there's a familiarity that draws you in. I think for, for a long time, and and I'm sure even parts of my life now, I, I, I try very hard for this not to be the case, but, uh, my whole life surviving was the ability to like master the chameleon effect. Right. Like the chameleon effect is what mm-hmm. I call like our ability to get into a scenario and become the equivalent of our surrounding so that we simultaneously have a false mm-hmm. sense of belonging while not standing out so much that we will be ostracized. Like we now here's the, here's the catch, right? Like you don't actually belong either way. You can be ostracized and not belong, mm-hmm. or you can fake it to think you belong when you don't. Same feeling, same emotion. One is just, uh, one, one looks better to the eye, but I think because I spent so much of my life trying to be the chameleon, to master the chameleon effect, to get in anywhere all the time in my life, uh, did I think provide the opportunity for me to have quite a few different scenarios with, uh, different cultures, different races, different locations, socioeconomic levels, like kind of across the board growing up that I think, um, now when Rocky's left just to Rocky, it, I think there is a neutrality. That's not a good or bad. It's just a, a neutral probably tone and, uh, accent in my voice. Cause I spent my whole life trying to sound like everybody else. Yeah, that makes sense. That totally makes sense. Okay. And the next thing I was going to say was going into being offered that job. I mean, you were at a young age. So to be that wise to pause, and especially because of what you were saying with your upbringing and moving around, right? Mm -hmm. And, And to be able to say, uh, no, the only reason why I'm going to be accepting this offer would be because I would, I would want you to like me more than I want you to learn about God. Mm-hmm. Right. That's huge. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm counting back the years and then the years that you're growing your business now. And then the, the four years of the photography, I'm like, uh, you were pretty young back then to have that mindset. So who were some of your role models, you know, that created who you are, right? And mm-hmm. and and gave you that understanding or really are are you thinking that it's really about the environment and really coming to that realization that you did have to fit in, right? And and this and you're tired of doing this. You're tired of doing the right thing because this is what you went to school for. This is what you were um maybe not for school, but this is where you were at with the summer camp and this is technically what Probably you should be doing next, right? But you halted that like all of a sudden. And how what it wouldn't mean, um, we wouldn't be able to look at it and go, you know, I totally understand what he's doing. We would probably say, what the heck is he doing? Why did he turn that mm-hmm. down, right? So where were you in that mindset? And did it come from role models or do you think it was from your environment? Yeah, I think I would say the role models that I had probably were expressing their ability to make decisions based on their identity, whether that was like told to me verbally or not. I think I had the ability to witness people with the freedom to choose something they believed in more than they did choosing something they thought they were supposed to do. And so I think that let's go, let's go 50, 50, you know, the nature let's go that plus 50% yeah, of 50% huge, of going, uh, yeah, my environment was like, this isn't it. 
surely, like surely this isn't it because this path feels like it's leading. I'm 27. Uh, I've had not been to seminary. They're going to pay me a lot and pay for seminary, yada, yada, yada. But it feels like there's maybe, maybe one step after this and then I'm just going to do this forever. Uh, well, I think that for, forget the profession aspect of it. It could, it could be nursing. It could be whatever it was. I was like, I, I don't want to do this. I, I don't want to do this forever. And then I think if we could go, you know, regardless of where any, any of us, me or you or our listeners fall, uh, religiously or spiritually, I think for me personally, like I was at a spot going, uh, I believe there's a context that at least I've witnessed in, in, in Southern evangelicalism that, that from this stage, there is a, there is a message to be communicated. And I don't think that I was designed to communicate this message here. So like, I, I, I very much believe. So if we, if we want to use the, if we use a Christian context, just for the sake of our example, uh, you know, on the stage, kind of the main part of your job is to tell people about Jesus. Um, and there's nothing wrong about with that. I could, I could do that right now if somebody wanted to know about it or ask about it right but i think when i was looking at my life and 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 you used a word earlier you said man it must have been difficult like in that moment like to take a pause but as i look back hindsight i'm like i think that is what happened like i think there was a moment where i was willing uh whether by whether by out of insecurity or desire at this point call it a win like to like take a pause and go wait a second I don't think, I don't think that's my message. Like, I don't think that's, I wasn't made for that. I think I was made to come into your life. My, my, one of my personal models is punch, 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 hug. Uh, and that's cause I kind of think that's how my cadence, even my speaking is like, I think I was made to come into your life and kind of break away some of the BS, like break away the hardness, break away the callousness, like get to the root of the onion, right? Onions are not bad, right? If they're fried, they taste good. If they're raw, they're not that good, but it's, it's an onion no matter what, right? It's like, I want to get into peel back some of the layers so that whatever the message is that was made and designed for you to provide clarity and freedom. I want to help you get to a place so that when the message is said, you actually hear it and the message doesn't have to come from me. Mm. And I think I had spent the first 27 years of my life thinking I had to be the hero so that you could hear the message from me. And I think the last 10 years has been a journey to go. I don't think that's my role. It's not a bad role. It's not an inherently negative thing, but it's not, it's not my role. I, I, my, my role is to, mm-hmm. is to not be your expert. My role is to be your guide. My role in life is to say, Hey, mm. we're both going over there. I feel like the map I have can get us there. Do you want to come with me? That's, that's what one-on-one coaching is. Mm-hmm. You want to, you want a guide and you want to help, you want to create a map and you want me, someone to guide you on that map for 12 weeks. Let's go. Let's do it. I'm, I'm not going to tell you where to go. I have no idea. If you think that I'm going to tell you where to go, you've hired the wrong person, Right but I feel pretty confident in my ability to help create a map to guide you to the place that you want to be. But you got to pause first and you got to go, what is my message? What is my direction? What is the thing that I believe in? And I don't think that any of us have the capacity to do that by ourselves. Yeah. And you have to be yeah, exactly. And you have to be wise enough to, to sit in that pause because literally it, it really was, even though it wasn't like this, but it really was a second. And I can't even imagine like what you said, you know, in that moment where you thought, okay, I could be doing this forever. Like that one little step over that threshold, mm. I, I probably would have been doing this for the rest of my yep. life. Right. And now looking at your photography, you know, the creative side uh, the business side that you and your wife um, created together. And then again, you know, pivoting to what you're doing now 
people that are listening to this are like, wait, what, what, you know, like it's such, such a sharp turn. So how did you go into photography, photography, first of all, right? Like, did you always have that love? And then how did you pivot out and know that this was where you were going to, you were yeah, going to be, yeah. you know, on stage and, and still inspiring? Yes. Yeah, so, you know, I think that, uh, I got to attribute quite a bit of that to my grandmother. Uh, I think my grandmother has always, has always been a voice in my life that said in a little bit in a cheesy way, but I think in a very real way too, like, if you want to do it, do it. Don't let anybody tell you there's something that you, if you, if you don't want, if you want to do it, go do it right now. A lot of people are going to hear that. I'm like, well, you don't know my life and you don't know my circumstance. And you're right. I'm not making a claim about you or your life or what you should have been able to do based on your circumstance. I know what my life was like, but I do know this. I do know that for most, not all, but for most of us, we wake up and do what we want every single day. Every single day we do. And if you're, and if you, if you hear that and you combat that and you're like, no, I don't, I really want this. If you really wanted that, you would do it, but you don't do it. You don't, you do what you want. Now, maybe you do what's easy. Maybe you do what's circumstantial. Maybe you do what, what your current life scenario says, but you do what you want every day or you wouldn't do it. And if you wanted something different, you would do something different. And so I think for me, I've always like my, I think that's my grandma, my grandma, I can, I can, I can see her and hear her and she's still alive. But I mean, like I, my childhood was not like video games and Ninja Turtles. It was like, go to Mervyn's and mow the grass with my grandma. So like, that's just like what we did together, you know? (laughs) But I think there's a part of that of going, uh, I I left ministry as a, as a vocation, as a job. Uh, we started photography business and it was like, because let's try it because we can, if we want to do it, let's do it. Like, let's tell, and I would tell you, like, I would not say that I'm not a creative person, but I am not like a passionate photographer. I was never the photographer that was like, what can we do today that we didn't do yesterday? You know, I'm like, no, I'm doing the exact same thing I did today that I did yesterday because that's what you paid me for. Like, don't reinvent the wheel. Just keep doing that over and over and over again, you know? Uh, <laughs> but I think looking at it, it was like, why, why could, why not? If we want to do that, let's try to do that. Right. And so I think the transition out of that, because it is, it is like you went from church ministry to wedding photography to keynote speaker and identity coach, because that sounds normal, uh, was more like, <laughs> no, I think, but I, I can, I can see the, the common thread in all of that though is Rocky consistently on a journey to understand where he fits, where he belongs and how to utilize who he was made and designed to be in a way that is not uh, driven by him trying to be the hero and solve your problem but him finding a place where he belongs so he can rest steady enough to invite you on a journey that he is on. And I think all of us to some degree are on that. I think we are all, we all have the capacity to be on that track, even regardless of circumstance. And we are a single parent or we're divorced or we're Mm -hmm. don't, it's just us or we're any, any stage of life. We still have the ability to go, okay, hold on hard pause. You're already doing what you want. Now, if you don't like it, that's different. And if you want to begin to like what you want, let's redefine what that is. How do we begin to move forward into that space and practically go, okay, if I want to look different, if I want to exercise, if I want to be more emotionally healthy, if I, okay, if you want, if I want to learn Spanish, I want to learn Spanish. Okay. No, I don't want to, because if I wanted to, I would do it and I'm not doing it. But if I decide I want to, right. And I think that translates into, at least for me, even though it gets a bad rap, like to me, that translates into accountability. Accountability is just being reminded of what you want. That's it. It's not being told don't accountability is not saying don't do those five things. Accountability is not saying don't eat the cake. Right. Accountability is saying, Hey, I wanted to remind you, you wanted to not eat that. No, that's Uh not what I want. Okay. You want to eat it. Great. Now I'll hold you accountable to eating cake. Let's do it. 
right? <laughs> but we like to put a negative connotation on things because it puts us, but when we do that, it puts mm-hmm. us in a position of scarcity. It says, I can't have it. I won't do it. I don't, no, no, no. What do you want? I, I know it sounds so simple, but I think it is that simple if we will allow it to be that full. What, what do you want and how do we allow ourselves to go into that? I find we get to the place that we want by challenging the stories that we tell ourselves. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It does sound so simple, but it's so true. I love it. And, um, you know, going back to your photography, I was just laughing because you may not think you're creative and you may have thought that doing a wedding over and over and over again was monotonous, right? But it was the I the the eye that you had that you saw different weddings in different ways and you would capture that and now it makes so much more sense because your website is off the hook <laughs> i mean and your instagram so for those of you watching you are li- watching and listening because it's going to be audio and video please head over to rocky garza's um website that we're going to have in our show notes as well as his in- instagram because now it makes so much more sense because i look at your stuff and it is so visually hmm. appealing like you are hooked on what rocky is doing because you're just, it's beautiful, basically. Well, thank and you. so you do have that creative part of you. And so I absolutely love it. You know, um, part of what I'm seeing in you too is that you really talk about letting people be seen, mm. right? And be known, mm. right? And that's part of your podcast, mm-hmm. right? So talk to me a little bit more about your podcast as well as what inspires you to inspire others to get to that point where they're where they're comfortable with the fact that, that they want to be seen yeah. or that they, I, I, I'm not even going to say need to be seen, but want yeah, to be seen. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think uh, we'll go and we'll go in reverse order. So I think uh, every human being that I know, we all want millions of things. I think if I could simplify it down to three things, I believe every person wants. Uh, Number one, we want to know we are unique. I think every human being wants to know that there is an attribute about us that is unlike anybody else in the world. Number two, I think that we want to believe that somebody else sees our uniqueness as good. We want to be affirmed for that uniqueness. It's true about me and someone else sees that and says it's good. Okay. And the third is we want to use that uniqueness for good in the world. Whatever way you want to chalk that up, philanthropy, professionally, personally, relationally, every human being wants to be unique. We want to know our uniqueness is good, and we want to use that uniqueness for good in the world. I think that's a, I think that's a part of the human condition. I think for a lot of us, myself included, there are many things that keep us from the very first one. There are many things in our life that keep us from recognizing what is in fact unique about me. What is that thing? Because we, we spend the majority of our life comparing our uniqueness to somebody else's uniqueness, right? And we inevitably play ping pong with our life going, look at them, look at them, look at them, look at them, right? And we never actually pause long enough to recognize what it is inside of us, right? Why do you think there's so many assessments? Why do you think there's the, there's a disc test and the Myers-Briggs and the Enneagram? And there's some of those, and some of those are fantastic, by the way, that's mm-hmm. not me knocking an assessment. I created my own. It's called identity mapping. So I'm not knocking assessments, but why do we think there's so many? It's because we are all consistently longing and looking to see what is the thing about me that makes me, me, mm-hmm. right? And when we have the ability to recognize that, to then go, okay, when I can see my uniqueness, all of a sudden I feel seen. I don't feel known yet though, but I feel seen. Okay. So I saw, they saw it. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, so let's go to our second point. Well, if I, how do I know my uniqueness is good? Well, I know that my uniqueness is good when not only do I feel seen, but I feel known because known requires the confirmation. That's the yes. And the affirmation, that's the good from somebody else. Mm-hmm. 
right? And so uh, I want to be seen. Okay, I think I see it, but I want to be known. Ah, okay, there it is. It is there and it is good. Great, well then how do I use that? Well then that allows us to be seen, to be known, and then to be understood. And to be understood means that we have practically put our purpose into practice in the world and we see that it's making an impact. And so for me, the podcast is called Be Known because what I want to do is I want to bring guests on the show. Uh, it is not a sales pitch. It is not a uh, tell me about, you know, what's your 17 things you got going on and how do we, right? Like, like there's, and there's some podcasts that are just like so, uh, it's like a 28 minutes of every product on my website. Uh, and there's, there's, you know, I guess there's time and place, but that's just not, there's, there's not a dialogue, right? I want to have a dialogue that just says, hey, my singular goal for having any guest on the show is I want you to leave the show feeling as though, you can be known for whatever that is, whatever attributes those are. And I'm going to ask you some questions and we're going to do some digging. And I'm probably going to say, tell me about that 54 times. And we're going to get to the root of a few things. And, uh, and so, you know, like when we do it, we do it live on clubhouse. And so it's a live recording with live audience and people get to come and listen and we do a Q and a at the end. And so, but, but in that, but that's the reason we do it in a live audience. We, we just switched that a couple of weeks ago because I want you to have that experience in front of people. And I want you to see their mics clapping. And I want you to see that they're asking you questions. And I want you to see when you say I'm a people pleaser, but I, I don't know what to do with that, but I really want to push through it. And here's what happened. And here's with my mom and here's what happened our recent guest Angelie this is her story go through go through and at the end she was like oh yeah it was fun thanks for I was kind of awkward and three different ladies hopped on and said I feel just like you but I didn't know anybody else felt like that I've been trying to live into my mom's legacy since she died too because I felt like it was my job to keep her name going but I realized I I'm never going to be known if I keep trying to be her I want to be me Right. And so like if, if, if me bald and big eyebrows on, on clubhouse can help you get to a place to where you can see and know that about you and know that, like, I think it's because when we are seen, we go, Oh, I'm unique. When we are known, we go, that uniqueness is good. And we put that uniqueness in the world. We go, okay, now I've been understood. And so the hope of the podcast is that it does that for the individual that is on our show. And more importantly, uh, that it does that for those that are listening to go, okay, man, I'm, I'm not alone. There is somebody like me and, uh, we are totally different, but we can also be totally the same. And in that maybe it gives us a little bit of confidence to pursue whatever stage of be seen, be known, be understood that we're in. Mm, that's beautiful. Okay. So I'm going to have you pitch that because I'm interested, but when is that, um, on clubhouse yeah. just so that people, yeah, yeah. So we, we do it. Um, typically we will do it Wednesday mornings, uh, is when we, we host the live room. Okay. Um, so, uh, I drop my kids off at, a, at eight, I'm in back in the office by eight 30. So we go live about eight 45, uh, on, on Wednesday mornings when we try to record that. So the next couple of weeks, it'll be a little bit off. So if you're on clubhouse, uh, it's just, uh, at Rocky Garza, uh, so shameless plug on any device or any platform. It's just at Rocky Garza. Cause it's not a whole lot of us. So, uh, but on Clubhouse, that's that's what it is. Um, so you can hit the little bell there if you're a Clubhouser and you want to listen and just get notified. The next couple of weeks, it'll be wonky. But starting in um, end of May, early June, every Wednesday uh, at 8.45 Central Time is when we'll, we'll do the live recording of the podcast. You can awesome. listen, but then you can get the podcast just wherever you get your normal podcast at. Okay. And then do you also put a link up on your website as well for your podcast? There is. Yep. So on our podcast. Or mostly just podcast yep. apps. Um, all, all the above. So you can go to rockygarza.com. As you scroll down, you can see kind of the four ways that we interact with mm -hmm. folks, whether that's keynote speaking for your your personal event or for your company, uh, a team event. So we do a full one day, eight hour immersive experience for teams uh, here in our spot in, in Dallas. Or if you're across the country, I can come to you and we do a, we call identity mapping, which we can talk about in a second. One-on-one um, -on -one coaching you can get into, or we have some self-paced virtual 
individual coaching. Um, uh, got a book that's going to be uh, out in print really soon, so you can check that out on the website. And if you keep scrolling down, it'll say podcast, and you can click there and get a link to the podcast as well. Awesome. And we do have, we're going to put your clubhouse link because now you can link directly to your profile. Um, but we're going to um, put your podcast link in the show notes. And I'm going to go back and see if I can get your club because it is um, the Be Known Podcast Club. Correct. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Our club is that you're going to be doing it mm -hmm. out of. Yeah. Our club is Be Known okay. for sure. Be Known. Okay. So then um, I will try to see if I can get a link to that to share also in our show cool. notes so that people can go directly to that club. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Awesome. Wow. That's amazing. Okay. Yes. Let's talk about identity mapping since you brought it yeah. up. Um, and is it mostly for teens? Is it for everybody? What's going on yeah, with that? So we have... Uh, and it's your own that you it created? Is, it is. Yeah. So we, um, you know, back back early 2015, when I started this, I was working directly with creative entrepreneurs because I had come out of the creative entrepreneur space. And so it seemed like the easiest sell to go, hey, like I have a creative business. Do you like that one? Did you think it was good? You like the brand? Would you like one like that? Great. We should work together. <laughs> uh, that was kind of my sales pitch. And so um, really it was, it was going, hey, I think that we have found success because we built a brand that was foundationally built on who we were as people. And we invited you into the space with us. Um, the thing you paid for happened to be us to use a camera to take your picture. Um, but I don't think I could think of any person who ever hired us. We shot 250 weddings in four and a half years, five years. And I don't think I, there was ever one person that hired us that was like, I'm hiring you because you're the best photographer I've ever seen. I probably had 75% of people hire us and say, I want you to shoot our wedding because one, my friend, you shot their wedding and we were there. Uh, and I saw how you talked to them and you acted with them and you mm -hmm. talked to their mom and their grandma, or they said, uh, I want you to be our photographer because we want to be in your pictures. Like not the technicality of the image, but like, like I saw their engagement photos and I want us to look at, look at each other like that. Right. And so, but a part of that is like experiential, like we would do an engagement shoot and I would have, you know, you and your partner and we would be there and we would go, okay, get together. And I would say, okay, look at each other and put your hand here, here. And now here's what I want you to do. Uh, I want you to tell each other without me hearing, um, what's, what is one thing that you're most excited about knowing you're going to spend the rest of your life with this person. Mm. Okay. Ready to go. And so like, what would happen is they would, you know, my camera's like just taking a bunch of pictures, but they get it. And I'm like that they would get him and say, Oh my gosh, this is my favorite picture because I can hear him talking to me. Like I can hear what he was saying to me. Oh my gosh. Right. And so like wow. that has nothing to do with photography. That has nothing to do. So, but I look at that, right. That, that thing in that thread and go, okay, how do we take those components of what I saw about ours and how do I help people see it? Well, I said, well, I think that's us. Like, I don't think it's a photography technique. Like, I think that's, if you give Rocky a camera, that's what happens. If you give Sarah a camera, that's my wife, that's what happens, right? And so um, from that, when I began doing this for entrepreneurs and small businesses, how do I help them? If the company was called Staff Retreat, because as a, as a, as an, a sole proprietor entrepreneur, nobody is taking you on a staff retreat because it's just you, you know? So it's like, I would always joke, like, I guess I'm going to go to an Airbnb by myself and ask myself questions I don't know the answer to. I don't know. What do you do? What do you do on your own <laughs> staff retreat? So I thought, well, I'm going to start a company called Staff Retreat where I take creative entrepreneurs on a staff retreat, I will facilitate it for them and then help them do that. So identity mapping came out of that process. Me asking people just a lot of questions, most of them really bad. And we landed on the six questions that were really good. You know, like, okay, I've asked a hundred. Those all were terrible. Those four seem to work. Let's keep those. Um, and so now identity mapping, um, individuals. So you can, you can, those of you listening can go to my website, click identity mapping, purchase it. And if you're uh, Dallas, we'll do it face to face. If you're not, we'll hop a virtual and do it. It's a four hour immersive one-on-one -on -one experience where you leave with what we say is the clearest language of who you are as a human being you've ever had. Uh, and so it's a, it's a self 
um, self-directed assessment, self-assessment. So you're not going to take a test that's going to tell you what you are. You're going to go through and test yourself so that you can see who you are. And so I'm going to guide you through questions that we answer about how our brain works and how we think and fear, doubt, obstacle, insecurity. We'll do a core values exercise, which is why you do what you do. We'll do a strengths exercise, which is how you do what you do. We have a thing called identifiers, which is what you do. That's like believer, grower, achiever, change maker, strategizer. Right? They're all end in ER and OR. And so we end up with these 13 words and a piece of paper and we call that our identity map. It is a, it is a map for us to go, okay, what do I do? How do I do it? And why do I do it as a human being everywhere in my life? It's not a professional assessment. It's a human assessment. We're going to give you a language for how you human everywhere. So as a husband, what is Rocky? Rocky's a change maker. Rocky's a belief creator. Rocky's a truth teller as a husband, as a father, as a business owner, that is me. There's, you can't get away from that. I want that language so that no pun intended. I only have one hat every day. I only want to wear one hat. That's it. I don't have a business hat and a husband hat and a father hat. No, it's, that's exhausting. That's the chameleon. I don't want to do that. I don't want to change my outfit. I just want to be me. Most of us, I find, myself included. I have my identity map on the board right now because I want to see it regularly. Like Most of us, I think, know exactly who we are. We simply lack the ability to create the right language to describe it. So we pursue external things to validate something we feel inside and 99% of the time it falls short because it's not actually the words that represents who we are. And so identity mapping for individuals, one-on-one, so you teams, work, we, we, we do it all. Yeah, I was going to say teens. Um, what about, so I'm sitting here thinking, um, where do you work with teens and, and you work with them on this? Yeah, so... On what, yeah, kind of yeah. so just a few days ago, a team came in, um, they came to our, they're a local team here in Dallas. So 12 folks came into our office. They spent nine hours here on, on a day. So I know you're listening. You're like nine hours. Well, I don't even work nine hours, you know? Uh, but they came in and we had coffee and a, and a catered lunch and we had cocktails in the afternoon and we went through this process. We went through identity mapping for every individual about them individually in front of the 12 people they work with eight hours a day as a team experience. Mm. And so that's, to me, that's the beauty of team identity mapping. You know, you work in, California or you work in Denver or wherever it is. Great. I'm going to come to Denver. We're going to find the right space, typically not inside your office uh, in a conference room because that does not feel cozy, uh, but we'll find the right space in the right time. And then um, everybody on the team participates, the leader, the, the, the new hire, we're all there together. And then we get to walk through this process together. So we do it here in Dallas locally. We, you can come to our spot, um, you know, and then I go to California or Vegas or Houston or Austin or Denver or New York or wherever your team is. Then we come to you and facilitate that process. And then at the end, we have a thing called the nitty gritty team guide, which is a big PDF that we put together and printed out in a book that it's every person on your team, who they are, what their identity map is, what that looks like. Um, we go through all the notes, PDFs for you to go through. Cool. So again, we're trying to really, really hone in what, what is the reality, the truth, and the beauty and the humanity of every person? And if we can show you, we'll show you statistically. We have 13 words in a piece of paper. It is mathematically impossible just based on those 13 words for anybody in the world who has currently or ever been alive to have the same 13 words as you. And we're not even talking about your like wow. character. We're not talking about your physical. I mean, not your life, not your grandma, yeah. not your nana. I mean, we're saying, I'm going to show you on 13 words, there's no one like you. But it's a confirmation and an affirmation because they're your words, not mine. I don't tell you who you are. Mm -hmm. You give yourself enough space to go, who am I? And when you find the right words and the right language, it's immensely invigorating to be able to say, I want to live this now. Wow. You know, I'm sitting here thinking about age, right? And you've got two, how old are your kids right now? Uh, they will, they're um, young, they right? are, they will be um, five and a half, three and five, five. and a half. Three and five and a half. Okay. 
Man, you're okay. So do you find that, I mean, they're so young, but do you find that you are parenting or having different conversations that obviously I think even as we grew up, we weren't having these conversations with our, our own parents, mm-hmm. right? Do you find that you and your wife, Sarah, are um, having different kinds of conversations, even at this young age, um, where you're... Um, it's not really that you're molding them, but they're just different. It's just a different conversation that I'm having with you than, you know, I would have had 20 years ago, 100%. right? So are you noticing that yeah. with the, your parenting skills oh, yeah. or living into your 13 words, right? Oh, yeah. Now that you've got your identity map, yeah. like, and are you trying to see what they are yet? Or how is yeah, this all parenting yeah, thing yeah, happening yeah. in your head yeah, well, right now? Well, I'm like, do you really want to know how the parenting thing is happening in my head? Because it feels very chaotic. So, yeah. uh, but uh, in the midst of <laughs> in the midst of chaos, that we can feel like uh, parenting. Uh, there, there's a there's a phrase, and I've, I've actually this is like the third time today I have said it, so I'm just going to go with it because I think it relates to parenting as well, right? But I, I, I think the the phrase is is about marriage, or at least the phrase I heard was about marriage or relationships or partnerships. But uh, it goes like this. It says, says that uh, two people, and we'll use partnerships and marriage as the context, uh, two, uh, two incomplete people were never made to complete each other in a relationship. Two complete people were only ever made uh, to complement each other. And so I think in yeah. that, like, I was like, oh, what, my whole marriage, what am I doing? You know, but I think when it comes to parenting, it goes, I think something similar is like a child, a parent and a child were never made to complete each other. But a parent was made to compliment their child and a child's development hopefully is made mm. to compliment the parent. Right. I'm going to say it's the same way. Ooh, uh, wow. So I think in that is to go, okay. Uh, when I think about my kids, you know, I, it's, it's easy or simple examples. Like when, yeah, and I think about it for me and then when I see it in other people too, is right. Like you're at a park and your kid falls down and your kid's crying and you see, I'm going to say, I'm going to pick on dads for a second. And you see a dad walk over to a kid and say, hey, stop crying. You're fine. Get up. You're stop crying. Stop crying. Stop crying. Now, I, I get it. Maybe my, I don't want to read too much into it, so I'll just use myself as an example. But in that example, I have to ask myself, am I asking my kid to stop crying because I don't think that they should? Or am I asking my kid to stop crying because I'm afraid that other parents are going to look at me and think that I am a bad parent because my kid cries? And was it ever actually about my son? Or was it always about me? Mm-hmm. Right? And so I think there's a part of that that's like, okay, uh, if that's the case, when I think about my kids, um, you know, and you, you probably know this a little better than I do, but you know, roughly like zero to six is the absorbent phase. And then six through 12 is kind of our adaptive phase where we go, okay, how do we take what we have absorbed? And then we try to test that against the world. Right. And then 12 through 18 is like, okay, well it's tested and now we're just going to go do it. And then whatever happens happens, you know, while we're in puberty and trying to figure out our hormones, like what a great phase of life, 12 to 18. But I think in that, in that spot now with my kids going, okay, my kids are still in the absorbent phase. Like they're still just little, they're just soaking it in. They're not even quite ready to test it against the world yet. And so, um, what are they soaking in? And the only thing they're soaking in is what I have to give. And if what I am giving is Mm -hmm. a sacrifice of myself and not an overflow of who I am, they're going to soak up the wrong thing. And so before I go to analyze or data or drive, and I I know that's not any way what you were saying. I think I'm more talking to myself probably now than I am to anybody else. But to go before I want to say my son or daughter is like this, I have to begin to say, who am I? Because if I'm going to serve, and we, you and I did a room together, if I'm going to serve, serving being the, gener- the giving generously out of the overflow of who I am, if I'm going to serve my children, then I've got to recognize I can't sacrifice for my children 
because then they're going to get the parts of me that I'm losing and absorb those as a part, mm-hmm. as a part, as opposed to the generous overflow of what I am giving with them. Right. And so I think when I go to my kids, to so your point of the conversation different. Yeah. I mean, the conversations are like, Hey, Ezra, come here. You know, I, I, I always have this in my head with my son. Uh, he's very observant and watch I mean, He's, he's wicked. He's wicked. Awesome. Like he's amazing. But when there's moments where I recognize I was short or I was angry or I was frustrated or I did the like, don't cry, stop doing that. What are you doing? You know, I got to go to my son and say, Ezra, come here. You know, I say, Hey, come here. No, no, come here. No. Okay. So I go in his room and I sit on the floor. I say, Ezra, come here. So I said, when you put your hands on my face, he's crying. He's upset. I'm mad. Put your hands on my face. No. Ezra, put your hands on my face. He puts his hands on my face. He typically he puts them on top of bald, so he puts his hands on top of my head usually because he thinks it's funny, but he comes and puts his hands on my face or my head. And I can guarantee you, Natalie, almost 100% of the time when my son or daughter comes up and they put their hands on my face or on my head, they immediately stop crying. And when they make eye contact with me and I make eye contact with them and we are physically connected and I say, you know, son, I'm sorry. And more than being sorry, I apologize for being fresh. I should not have been sure with you. Most important phrase I think I can say to my children, will you forgive me? And of course they're five. So like, yes, you know, of course dad. Okay. Thank you for forgiving me. That dad does not want to react or act that way towards you. Right. And so I'm not knocking my parents or your parents or anybody else's. I don't know that any adult in my life, in my family has ever said, I'm sorry. And will you forgive me? <laughs> and that's not a, that, that's not a bad thing. But if we're going to go like, if we're going to get really down to the root and the foundational differences between what, what I am doing as a parent and what I experience, and what I hope my kids take and then double down onto is they're human beings at five and three. They are their own person. Mm-hmm. They are their own human. They don't, they are, they are doing, I mean, they are. They're doing it, right? Like every day, I tell myself this all the time, every day that my kids get older, I become less responsible for them because they become more human and more responsible for themselves. I'm less responsible for my five-year-old than I am my two-and-a-half-year-old because he can do things by himself. He can get dressed by himself. I'm not responsible for a shower. I'm not responsible for him to get dressed. He can do it. So if that's the case, how much more responsible am I for me? And then what do I actually have to bring and offer? And then what are the conversations and the dialogue about how do you feel and kids at school? And we had a conversation the other day about being an ally at school. Hey, we have guidelines. Hey, my, my son loves him some guidelines. And so he was like, hey, dad, well, our guidelines are we, we are only say kind things. We do not call names ever. No, funny, silly. We do. We call people by their name and we are an ally. We always stand up for our friends. Right. It's like, nobody was telling me that at five. And I'm not saying that I'm like, I'm the parent, I'm the know, best parent I'm in the world. I'm yeah. not saying that. I'm saying like, I, you know why? Cause you know what Rocky is saying, what Rocky and my wife and Sarah are saying to each other every night, what are we going to do tomorrow when we come face to face with the real world? And how are mm-hmm. we going to be an ally and where are we calling names and where are we not being kind? Right. Like we're it's it's simply offering the opportunity to include our children into the humanity that we are living and stop looking at them like they're not ready and saying, what can I do to help you get ready? And inviting them into that space, I think, to have that conversation and dialogue with us. 
Yeah. And I love hearing that too. And, and I, I expected that as well, but I love it because really it's, it's your children are watching everything. So whether you are directly talking to them about different things that have happened or you're talking to, they might overhear you on a phone call or in a room or talking to your wife or whatever it is, they're picking up on different things than what I believe that we all mm. picked up on, you know? And again, it's having these conversations really are, are what's creating this new humanity, mm. I think, and this new environment for a lot of the, the people that are coming up behind us, whether it's our kids or other others' kids as well, right? And so it's super interesting to hear that. And especially because you dive really deep into understanding Understanding yourself in order to, I love what you said, compliment um, whoever you're working with, right? Um, so, you know, let's talk a little bit more about your book that's coming out. Do you know when it's going to be released anytime well, soon? Well, you know, I know you can download or you can pre-order. You can, correct, you right can. yeah. That's probably that's probably on me, Doctor Natalie. That old final date when you can get it. If I could write, get my, if I get myself together <laughs> and finish up those edits. Uh, so it is uh, first draft done. It's been sent in. Has been sent back. Said, hey, Rocky, yes. add this, this, and this. So um, it is. It is on my. T- to do list right now um, when we are recording this um, to get the second round of edits back. It'll come back to me one more time. We'll look at it again and it will go back. And so my hope would be that we have something in our hand and by our hand, it's hundred percent on me uh, to get that to a place to where, you know, sometime uh, early this summer um, it is, it is ready to be shipped and be in your mm-hmm. hand. So it can go, you can go to rockygars.com right now. You can go to rockygars.com slash book. Um, you can go to my Instagram and click buy now. It's a product there in our product store. It's, you can order your pre-order yourself a copy uh, anybody who pre-orders it uh, will have a, one or two little goodies uh, in your book as well, maybe like a relationship building map or I don't know, something like that for you. So if you pre-order your copy now, um, then we'll make sure to toss that in there for you, get it signed for you, and then get it shipped out as soon as they're ready. But early summer is our is our hope. Awesome. I was When you said goodies, I was like, like a Rocky Garza hat. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, I will tell you, we are working on, I mean, while we're here, so we might as well jump into it. We are working on a version of kind of like table topics, um, but it's kind of what well, we, we call it. Uh, tell me about that is the name of it. Um, and so we have a, 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 gen- oh a gosh, general version, it. a couples version, and then a team version for those of you at work um, that you can have on your desk. It's called mm-hmm. Tell Me About That. And so you get together with a group of people. Everybody gets three cards. You ask your question. You can choose who you want to answer it. And then everybody has two, what we call Tell Me About That cards when someone answers our question if you want to know more you can play your tell me about that card and then they have to tell you answer the question a little bit deeper so no um, yeah so we're working on that too maybe maybe we'll throw a few tell me about that's in there once we get those done and printed we can throw that in your in your in your book order also that is awesome no i'm saying i think you should have the rocky garza hat that says tell me about that and you're tossing it over to somebody and that's they're on the hot spot yeah, right? and that. they're gonna have to talk right? i love that yeah, I need to, we need to, we need to make some like little tell, some little okay, tell so, me about that little beanbag. So when you're in a meeting and someone's talking, you can just toss the tell me about that to them. Yes, and they got to dive in. Yeah, just toss it. Yes, I totally. Yep, I think you should do that. Okay, so kill doubt, build conviction. That's the yeah. title. So what? Tell me about that. I'm going to yeah, play. Yeah, come your on game. now. Tell All right, she's that. she's bringing it back to me. <laughs> yeah. So the 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 premise of the book is it's kind of one part my story, one part workbook. Um, one part deep dive into kind of challenging the stories that we tell ourselves, And so it walks you through what we call the freedom framework to go, okay, how do I identify doubt in my life? And then how do I build the truth and conviction based out of that doubt? And so we go through a process where we say, okay, we're going to, we're going to look at the stories uh, that, that have been told to us about us. That's kind of narrative. Number one, what are the things told to you about you? Those things that sound like you're to this, you're so this, you're always this very, very definitive statements, right? We've, we've grew up in our whole life hearing Rocky, you're too emotional, Rocky, you're too intense, Rocky, you're too sensitive, Rocky, you're too whatever. Uh, 
the second narrative is the stories we tell ourselves about ourselves. So that's when Rocky's talking to himself and Rocky says, Rocky, you're too intense. Rocky, you're too emotional. Hey, Rocky, look at their faces. They don't want that. Hey, calm it down a little bit. Hey, pull away from the microphone. Hey, they didn't ask you a question. Hey, they just came over for dinner. Stop talking about their marriage, right? Like those stories I tell myself about myself. I believe where those two stories intersect, meaning they, they, they mirror one another or complement each other. Compliment doesn't mean good. It just means they they match. Anytime those stories match, um, you have a moment where you either build doubt or you build conviction. And where those two stories collide, you have to ask yourself, okay, so Rocky's been told his whole life he's too emotional. Rocky tells himself he's too emotional. Well, guess what Rocky starts to believe? That Rocky's too emotional. Now, the doubt is, is that I'm too emotional. The fear is I'm too emotional. The, the obstacle is I'm too emotional. When the, when the reality and the truth is, if I unwind or unravel those two stories and peel them apart, I cannot change what was told to me about me. But I can absolutely change what I tell myself about myself. And so what if I stop saying I'm too emotional? And what if I just start proclaiming that I am emotional? Well, all of a sudden our doubt becomes truth. Our doubt becomes a reality of who we are. And if I can begin to say I am emotional and I am intense because I am, it's who I am. And if, if you don't like it, it's okay. You can just join a different room on Clubhouse. It's fine. Like I know that's, that's me. And so I think what we do is we work ourselves through these narratives. We identify both where they intersect. And then we go, okay, if we peel them apart, what is the doubt? Well, the doubt is, is I'm too emotional. Well, what is the truth? Well, the truth is, is I am emotional. Okay, we're not quite done because we have a truth. We don't have a conviction. What is the conviction? We define conviction as a deep-seated belief we're unwilling to waver from. Well, a conviction, my conviction in that is, is that I am emotional and it is good. And I'm unwilling to waver from the fact that my ability to see, know, and express my emotions is good. That's my conviction. And so what we do is we kill the doubt. We put it to death. But in order to put something to death and to kill it, you got to name it and claim it. you got to go, I can see what it is. The doubt is I'm too emotional, but I'm not going to live that way. I'm going to say... I am emotional and it is good. And so the book is a process. It works you through eight chapters of going through that singular process of going, what is this? And what is this? And you build and you build and you build. And it's got some worksheets. And in the end, our hope is, is that you walk yourself through identifying doubt, building your truth, building your conviction. And once you conquer one, you go back to chapter one and you read it again and again and again and again and again. And every time something pops up, you go, I'm going to go back to my freedom framework and I'm going to go, what is the story? And what is the story? And what is the doubt? And what is the truth? And what is my conviction? And how do I want to live differently today? Ooh, that is so amazing. I'm just thinking purchase 12 and do one per, <laughs> one per month and revisit it, right? And you can scribble all over it. I'm a scribbler. Yeah, and yeah. so, huh, that's really, really interesting. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. Awesome. You know, I, never, okay. I never thought I would have a book, uh, but that's just a story I told myself. <laughs> I'm like, hmm, I can see the process here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Heading over to conviction. Right. Yes. And you're going to make it true and it's going to be so awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, you give back in so many ways and just pouring into others. Right. And so do you have any stories that, you know, have touched your heart to continue to give of yourself to get people to this point of recognizing themselves? Yeah. You know, I remember I was, uh, was I was working at Sky Ranch. I was see 22 at the time. It was my first summer as a director. Um, I thought I was awesome because I was like fresh out of college. I'm 22. I got hired to be a director and they love me and I'm a great speaker and everything's awesome and whatever. And it was one night at summer camp uh, and to, without giving too much unnecessary detail of the story, uh, I'm going through and the kid wants to be baptized. Okay, great. We'd love to baptize you. And then the, the protocol is like, well, their parents are not there, but you can do it, but you got to call their parents to get their approval. Yada, yada, yada. Right. So 
because I was n- not a smart individual, this kid wanted to get baptized. I said, great. So I get my sta- satellite phone out, call his parents. It's you know, 945 at night or whatever. Thank you for the answer. I'm like, hey, you know, Stevie wants to get baptized, but I wanted to run it by you. You're not here. We can totally wait. Just he's really into it. I just want to check with you. Oh, we'd love that. Please, Rocky, go for it. Okay, great. Thanks. So we go to the swimming pool, right? We get, we get Stevie in the water. His cabin's out there watching. Hey, Stevie, you know, you had to push. Okay, we baptize him. Awesome. It's great. And then another kid, hey, I want to be baptized too. And I'm like, you want to be baptized too? I'm like, oh, this is, this is incredible. We're going to start baptizing people. And so in the cabin, another cabin walks by, and there's two more kids. Who are so before you know it, I mean, this is so embarrassing. Before you know it, I got like 15 kids in the pool. And I'm like, oh, man, I'm about to just I'm about to just lay them down here. You know, like, I mean, what? This is so ridiculous. So I'm calling parents. It's like, it's like 1045 at night. I'm just ringing up parents on the satellite phone. Hey, Steve and Stephanie and Kelly, yeah, do it, do it, do it. We love it. We love it. Okay, great. Awesome. So we get all done. I'm like, oh, man, what a night. I'm such a great director and people love God. And we're in the Amazon. And I look over and my boss is behind the pool, kind of behind a bush, like looking through the fence at me. And I, he and I make eye contact with each other. And I was like, oh, no. Oh, no, I'm pretty sure what I just did was a very bad idea. And it did not strike me until looking at someone like, oh, man, I think I just ruined 30 kids' lives. You know, like they're going to go to counseling for this. So uh, that next day, their parents come. Parents like, hey, thank you so much. Thank you so much. And we're done. And my director comes over. His name's Chris Witt. He says, hey, can us talk? And I was like, yeah, mate, this is it. Like, I'm losing my job. And it was a great run, folks. Good two weeks, first campus time of summer. I'm out. He sat down. He said, I don't know what you did or who has your back, but no parent has complained. And all people have always said, thank you. So you're really lucky. And I was like, you are correct, friend. I'm lucky. But he said this to me. This is the part I'll never forget. He said, but I want you to know something, Rocky. He said, you can work with me and for me as long as you want. As long as I am continually the person in your life that is pulling the reins back because you are moving so fast to help others as opposed to getting the whip out to try to get you to do something, I will write a check on your behalf and cover you every single time. And I, rem- I mean, I, I can know where we were both sitting on orange igloo coolers in the basketball gym behind the curtain. We had just built the basketball. Court. I mean, I can see it. I can see his face. I can see where I was sitting. I can feel the, emo- I was weeping. I can feel the emotion of being like, Oh my gosh, I was going to get fired. And you just told me that you're going to love me and support me. Like, I don't know. And there was like this moment in life. Where I was like, no one has ever said that to me. And I don't know what to do, but I go back to that so often to go, you know what, Rocky, why do you ha- why would you build an expectation that I'm going to only give something if I'm going to get something? Because when you give something, that typically comes, if you're the initiator of giving, that comes before they have asked. So it's not even a matter of what can I give so that I can get. It's a matter of going, hey, Rocky, remember, there is someone somewhere willing to pull the reins back if you're going too fast in what you're doing and giving. But just don't make them get out the whip. Don't, don't get so slow and lethargic in your ability to see people and know people and care for people, whether it's your profession or not. And so I go back to that moment often that, that I think for me, it was a really, really defining moment to go, you know what? It is my drive, my vulnerability, my passion, my intensity, my hunger, my, those things are good. And it's okay to do that, to use that and pursue that. And that's not saying that anybody else should or have to have that, but in me, it's good. And I want to be able to leverage that. And so I come back to that. I come back to that story often. Oh, that's so beautiful. I love that story. Thank you for sharing that too. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Um, So one of the last, and and thank you so much for being here and giving me your time and to just share who you are and, you know, allowing not just myself, but my listeners to really get to know you. You know, one of the last things that I love to ask people is, you know, what is one piece of advice that you can give to somebody if they, you know, are just 
doubting themselves, right? Like I can't possibly do what Rocky's doing or what, or like it comes back to that comparison, mm-hmm, that mm-hmm, imposter syndrome mm-hmm. that I know that you stand so, you know, against, right? But what's one piece of advice if they're listening to this and it inspires something in mm-hmm. them to just get out and do it? Like what would you tell mm-hmm. them? Yeah, without sounding uh, snarky, go do it. Stop thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Stop think stop stop thinking about the thing that you think you might want to do that paralyzes you from doing it because you're worried what someone who doesn't like you is going to think about if the fact they like it. Like stop st- get get out of your own way. Step away from the window where you're looking out at a world that doesn't exist pretending that you could live in somebody else's driveway. Walk over to a mirror, look yourself in the eye and tell yourself out loud, not in your head. This is key. Say out loud with your words. Look at yourself in your eyes and whatever it is you want to do, wherever it is you want to go, that one singular step that's going to propel you to, you want to sign up for TikTok. You want to sign up for Clubhouse. You want to call that one person. You want to follow up with that friend. You want to interview or apply for that job. Whatever. Go to a mirror, not the window, a mirror. Look at yourself in your eyes and say out loud, Rocky, apply for the job because you're good. And look at yourself in the face. Tell yourself out loud. Something physiological happens when you use your actual words to yourself out loud. That's why you talk so terribly to yourself in your head. Because if you said it out loud, you would never say it again. But the same is true for what is good. You run what is good through your head through a filter that says it's not as good as somebody else. And so I want you to go to a mirror and say it to yourself out loud. And when you hear the good, true, and beautiful words come out of your mouth, take one step and move yourself in that direction. Mm, I love it. You're so passionate and inspirational. Thank you so much. You do make this world a Mm. better place. And I'm so glad that you are here with me on this podcast. So thank you so much, Rocky, for being here. Thank you for having me. And I appreciate you so Mm, much. Thank you so much for tuning in to Connecting a Better World, and thank you, NOCO FM, for supporting this show. If you connected to something in this episode, we would love to hear from you. Our contact info will be listed in the show notes, as well as you can reach us on our social media channels. Please feel free to share our podcast with your friends and loved ones. For more shows, please tune in to noco.fm online. This is Loudspeaker.